0: This podcast is a product of the Fourth and Inches Network, a podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW.
1: Enjoy the show and go, dogs. Go, dogs. Go, dogs. This week on the program, Pac 12 expert UW Leah and UW Daily Beat reporter Evie Mason recapped the 0 2 weekend for the Washington women. Although 0 2 might not be the result anyone was looking for, the team showed massive improvements after a long COVID layoff. At the half of each game, the Huskies held lead, but were unable to hold off the Bruins and Trojans' comeback. Leah and Mason highlight the team's ability to limit turnovers and keep both games close. They then turn their attention to the Oregon schools, who will be coming north this weekend. Leah finishes the show with an insightful criticism of scheduling at the Pac-12 headquarters. This is Pick and Roll. Enjoy the show. Hey Husky fans, this is Pick and Roll, a women's basketball podcast from the 4th and Inches Network. My name is Trevor Mueller and with me is UW Leah and beat reporter for the UW Daily, Evie Mason. Um, And Washington, as you predicted, Leah, uh, came up 0-2 on their trip down to Southern California. Uh, In the first leg of it, they lost 48-63. Then they fell to USC 66, 73. And before I hand it off to you, Evie, one of the themes that I saw was a first half where Washington went up uh, at, at the break and just couldn't keep that momentum going, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Evie, what's kind of your overall take on uh, the weekend?
0: So, yeah, so I was wrong in my prediction, obviously, <laughs> that they would at least beat UCLA, but I was wrong, which is fine.
1: You were looking um, good at half.
0: Yeah, both games we were.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but anyways, um, it obviously sucks that it we obviously came out 0 and 2, but watching like you said the first half of both games, their ball movement, what they're just half court play, their ball movement, their execution overall was really just looked great. It it almost like it, it's kind of like surprising they almost look more solid and smooth than the men do am I allowed to say that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah any but I mean the men are doing better too I, I won't comment anymore on that because that's not what I'm here to do but obviously I just think my point is that they that's how good they looked for a period of time until second half this happened both games second half came around I don't know if it's just me just not seeing it but it almost seemed like there wasn't anything specifically that happened they kind of just like fell off to me it looked like a um they just weren't like con- conditioned enough i don't know it could be because they aren't used to playing entire games even langley commented on this they they aren't used to playing entire games you know after the whole covid break so yeah i don't know that if i'm yeah, not I, I would
2: completely <laughs> echo that i thought yeah. you know if you if you can put together a solid half of basketball offensively against the PAC 12 and look pretty decent doing it, you can compete for a full half. My question, I think I mentioned going into this game was conditioning was practice. And there's just like, as talented as you are, if you're not running for 40 straight minutes in a basketball game, there's no way to prepare for that. And I think what we saw is the results of just essentially not playing. And to be fair, um, you know, UCLA had that rest when they played Colorado the previous weekend where they they were, they were looked really good for a half and they just lost steam in the second half. So what that tells us is that next week or this week coming up, the Huskies should look a lot better. Granted, the competition is getting, you know, a little bit stiffer probably, but um, overall, I was encouraged by what I saw. Um, if you can play tough and not lose contact, I mean, obviously we lost a little bit of contact at the end of the UCLA game, but USC, we looked like the better team. And that was the team that I thought was going to kind of blow us out. So overall I, for a, a young team with a new staff, I was pretty impressed.
1: Yeah. And it looked like, you know, at the end of the first half against UCLA to start, uh, it looked like Missy Peterson was poised to kind of take over a little bit. She could hit a couple of big shots to uh, kind of get that lead back to where it was at about, uh, what was it? About five going into the half where they were up a little bit closer to double digits. UCLA made a run and Peterson was able to kind of stave that off with even a cool buzzer beater. Then you have the, uh, the USC uh, they kind of come back on them. And you see Haley Van Dyke hit a couple of big jumpers to uh, send them into the break up. But I I think you guys are right. I think that not playing for that long, not playing together for that long, you saw tired legs. You saw the, uh, the flex that they run. You saw, you saw it being a little slower in the second half, which led to uh, less open shots. Now, Leah, somebody that uh, you've talked about quite a bit on this show um, is uh, Nancy Mulkey and uh, she had herself uh, quite the game against USC. Yeah. Um, what did you see the change was in her game in there?
2: I think that there's frankly a lack of a lack of tape. That's a big part of it is that they're finally finding her in the spots that she's really effective at and good for them for doing that. And that's stuff that you can kind of mind practice, even not live ball.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, you know, they she had some really egregious calls against her made by the PAC 12 refs. Um, and if she probably gets one fewer foul, I th- I fully believe the Huskies win that game at SC um, so, and we play them again, a heck Ed, So we'll see if that, if that can happen, but I think it's just understanding where she's most effective, getting her the ball in rhythm and making sure that you just, um, you're also hitting your shots when she's kicking the ball back out to you. So the defense has to adjust and they're not, just knowing that she's not going to hit a shot. It's just everyone, everyone clicking and everyone doing what they're supposed to do, which makes Nancy all the more effective.
1: Right. And Evie uh, I'm going to toot your horn a little bit. You uh, you were dynamite in the uh, the lead up the uh, the press conference um, with coach. And one of the things you asked was how she specifically was going to try to go after a team that was thin like UCLA. Um, she, uh, a couple of other reporters actually even came back to it. Do you think that that was one of the, you know, not being able to do that in the second half, uh, kind of her, her answer to you. Do you think that was one of the reasons why Washington wasn't able to pull that one out?
0: They, they were very thin, but it didn't seem to affect them. I mean, I guess it did in the first half until like I said, they, we lost momentum and they came back. Um, I also forgot that we're not thin, obviously. I've already emphasized that we do try to use our bench and our depth, but we are missing our main point guard, Grigsby. So that's another thing I realized could be kind of throwing everyone off, kind of adjusting to that.
2: I noticed in the third and fourth quarter, but particularly like late third and all of the fourth quarter against UCLA that the Huskies were rushing their shots. And there was about a three and a half minute period there where it was like steal slash turnover bucket steal And it's like, you know, in those moments where we have, we have to make sure that our tired legs aren't causing live ball turnovers. Live ball means a steal Mm -hmm. or like you're, you know, somebody pops the ball up and they're going in for a layup. A travel is okay. Not okay. But like, I can deal with that. A shot clock violation is always okay because it's you know, it's an an out of bounds play. What Mm -hmm. you want to avoid are long rebounds with with it. And those are resulted in um, heaving up threes with more than 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Or a live ball turnover at the top of the key. Those Nothing. are the things you want to avoid. Those are the things I saw a lot of in the UCLA game. That said, our turnovers were in comparison to early season, not bad. They weren't, they so, were a lot better. And that was another they were, thing. They were a lot better. Yeah. On yeah. the road against the LA schools, which is always a tough road trip. So I, I, I keep coming back to, you, I'm so impressed with despite the losses, the scores mm-hmm. don't look great, but like. I'm seeing a trajectory upward, which is what I want to see, which is what we talked about at the last pot. I want to see an upward trajectory. And I'm seeing that there's a lot of really tangible things for the coaches to look at and film and say, Hey, these are, these are self-inflicted wounds. We can, we can work on this. You know, we're going to be at home this weekend. We can work on this stuff. So
0: that is kind of what makes it all the more weird too, is that they seem to do almost everything right. And it just fell apart somehow Mm -hmm. in the second half. Like I said, it's hard to put a finger on it. it it's- yeah.
2: And I, I did, did some stats on the USC game where in the third and fourth quarter, the Huskies had seven offensive rebounds and four takeaways. So like steals or USC turnovers, and they converted that into three points. Conversely, USC had four boards and four steals or turnovers, and they converted that into 11 points. That's an eight-point differential. The Huskies lost by seven. That's the ball game. So USC- you clean that up. You clean up your, you, you convert your offensive rebounds to points. You take care of your own business. And if you get a steal, making sure that at least half the time you're converting it into points, that's going to put you in so many more ball games.
0: Exactly. So. I just remember USC had this one girl. I've totally forgot her name, but that's my bad. <laughs> just kept hitting threes after three, after three, Allison Mira. Probably.
2: Yeah. She, <laughs> she killed the yeah. U of a also where she just got hot in the fourth quarter. And I feel like I was watching multiple games at once, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And um, I remember seeing her name over and over. And I'm like, that name, she's, you have, you have to have a hand in her face in crunch time. She is a money shooter and I, I hope that we won't let that happen again in Seattle.
1: So and I don't know when Mira hit her jumper, her three-point jumpers, but she was two of four. And Jordan Jenkins also was three of four mm-hmm. from the uh, behind the arc as well. Oh wow.
0: That's another name. Yeah. I'm, and Jordan
2: yeah, Jenkins kidding. is from um Kent. Mm-hmm. And she her dream school oh was UW. And that is a big whiff. That's
1: an indictment oh, of yeah. the previous coaching staff.
2: Yes. Oh correct. yeah, definitely. Oh my God. And also her teammate was Quay Miller at Kent. So yeah. Huge indictment. But anyway,
1: watching those games, it's really interesting that you point out the uh, the points off of turnovers, the, the live ball turnovers that you're talking about and how that really was the difference. And what I noticed on the weekend is when Washington gave up the lead and when the, the game not necessarily got out of hand, it was quick. Um the third quarter they shot poorly plus a lot of the points that UCLA uh and USC were getting were in transition and I think that has to go with uh, tired legs off of coming off of a you know not being able to practice till like the Tuesday before they left.
0: Yeah. I believe so. It, it was it was really they had no time to prepare. So Yeah, and I also
2: felt like to your point Trevor I also saw that in as soon as they got as soon as they relinquished the lead they started heaving up threes I'm like you yeah. 8 minutes. You are not, there is no panic right now. I, you just keep playing your game and it'll come to you. But like in the, in the second half alone against SC, they shot 11 threes. They made one of them. Right. So, and those are long rebounds too, typically. So
1: it it makes a lot of sense, especially the USC game where uh, it looked like Washington of the two games, that was the one they had a shot to win. But you look at the box score for UCLA and you see Lauren Schwartz, uh, 30 minutes, Haley Van Dyke, 32 minutes, Nancy Mulkey, 31, uh, Missy Peterson, um, 31, and Oliver with 26. Then you roll over to the second half and Schwartz played 37 minutes. Peterson played 35 minutes. Like we're seeing uh, coming off of not playing and then putting up that many minutes. uh, I, I, I mean, that that tells me right there that they probably just weren't uh conditioned to to do this. But it's early in the season and uh you know what they have games under their belts. They're gonna be in a rhythm now, like you were talking about. Here comes Oregon's. Yeah. So I mean
2: yep. <laughs> Oregon is oh, wow. coming off. Up- a really, really solid weekend. They were just named the national team of the week.
1: Uh They beat
2: um, Arizona in overtime, a game in which they were down 17 points in the third quarter and came back to win in overtime. And then they followed that up two days later by thumping UConn. The score is not indicative of how uh, lopsided the game was. They won by 13, but... um, Oregon is really finding its groove. They're finally healthy. Mm-hmm. They've got a post tandem of six foot seven Sedona Prince and six foot five Niara Saboli, who Saboli went down in the last five minutes of the game and had an uh, her right knee was wrapped in an ice pack. So Kelly Graves seemed to think that she'd be just fine. I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't play against Washington, but did against Washington State just for safety precautions. Um, that said, they're incredibly deep regardless. They have excellent guard play. Um, they're really finding a groove offensively. But the thing is, after playing two highly ranked teams, they could have a trap game against Washington. Yeah. They could have a trap game against both Washington schools because right. it's like it's easy to motivate kids when you see that little number next to a team's name. When this team hasn't had a winning season in five years, tell, tell those kids it matters. I mean, yeah. anything can happen, but um, I mean, I respect that team and their staff enough to know mm-hmm. that they're going to they're going to play well enough, but crazy things can happen when you come into it, a team that has nothing to lose. And all of a sudden Oregon has a lot to lose.
1: So, yeah, that's a really good point. And and then the, the, on the Oregon state side, I mean, the state of Oregon has two really solid coaching staffs. Um, and with, uh, with Ruick down there in Corvallis and, uh, are they getting healthier now? Are they, are their players getting out of the COVID protocol? I know that they really screwed you over with your spread pick against yeah. uh, um, uh, who did they? Arizona.
2: Arizona. Yeah, like I, I, so I picked, I picked OSU in a close one, not knowing that Taylor Jones, their starting six foot fo, six foot four post is out with some injury. She was on the bench. So it's not COVID. Okay. Um, she didn't have a boot on, so I don't know what the issue is, but she's not playing. She didn't play either uh, games on the weekend. And then all of a sudden also Arizona's starting point guard and their second post player were also back, but you know, Oregon state lost yeah. on a, black a second prayer shot by Arizona. So it's like, right. you know, like, you know, throw my hands up. Like, well, I tried, I think <laughs> I, w- I still stand by that had the, uh-huh. the other circumstances been as I expected. Right. Um, that said, Oregon state has a six foot nine player who is not as mobile and um Offensively fluid as Nancy Mulkey, but she's really good with her reflexes and her shot blocking. That's um, Yelena Mitrovich.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and then um, they have uh, a six-five player who's kind of a stretch four. She comes b- out to the wings. Her name's Kennedy Brown. She's six-five, and then we'll see if Taylor Jones at six-four can go. We don't know. Um, Oregon State has is really deep at guard. They've got Talia Vonlehoffen, who is from Pasco, and she's a COVID freshman, so it's her second year. Um, they've got, uh, Greta Campstrader, who is who was a McDonald's all American. Um, they're just, they're very good. They're very deep. Um, but at the same time, they're very young and crazy things can happen when, with a young team. And they might not be motivated again because Washington isn't ranked and they played very well against two ranked teams in Arizona and Colorado. And we'll see how they play at Hick
1: And Evie, you got a chance to uh, be at the press conference today. What did, uh, what did coach talk about?
0: mainly talked about kind of building off of what happened last game. Like I already said before, kind of the lack of lack of not practicing kind of leading into stamina issues. Um, Also talked about Mulkey and, you know, how she can deal with the pressure, you know, increased pressure that's probably going to come her way, especially after her amazing game this past Sunday. So she talked about how um, basically what I said before about, how that lack of practicing kind of, you know, threw them one. But and Mulkey, she she was very complimentary. She's you know she kind of gave a overview of how she, it has been working exceptionally hard. Always looking at video. Always you know, asking questions, looking for what what to do, what to do right or wrong. So yeah, that was kind of the gist of it. It wasn't super mm. long.
1: Yeah, and I guess uh, before we move on to like the recap and the preview of of the Pac-12 for next week, um, Leah, I'm going to start with you. What is your expectation of the weekend for the Huskies?
2: It's kind of the same as last week. Um, these are two really tough teams that are coming into hecked. Um, I just want them to continue to build the trajectory of positivity that, they, that even, even despite two losses I, um, on tired legs, in LA last week, I'm still seeing a positive trajectory. I do expect the Huskies to have better legs through um, the end of the game this you know this week because we're not traveling, we're back home, um, so we've got the upper hand in that sense. Um, and we're riding, um, we're facing two teams rather that are riding the emotional high of having two upsets or three upsets between the two of them. Right. Um, Oregon State's playing Washington State first on Friday and the Huskies get to start against the Ducks. So um, yeah, we'll just, I mean, what I want is to see contact. I want to see engagement and I'd like to see uh, competitive games,
0: even in losses. I think that could teach the kids a lot. Evie. Mm, prediction. Uh, it's kind of tough. I'm still going to say, I'm going to say they're going to go one and one but I, I'm not going to, <laughs> pick which one i just feel like awesome safe
1: head your bets i dig it
2: safe <laughs> i'm gonna say uh huskies against oregon i'm gonna assume niara subley is not playing and i still i think the huskies play a really close game against oregon and they pull away late um call it uh oregon by 10 and uh oregon state uh is going to go to pullman and have a really hard-fought game. I'm not going to predict the result of that. We'll wait and sit on that one, but I think they're going to come into hecked and Oregon state has two really close games under their belt at Gill, And I think they're going to have a close game at heck Ed, and they're going to, the, the Beavers is going to win in a close one. So I think the Huskies are going to go 0-2 this weekend. I'd love to be wrong on both of those. Um, just like last week, prove me wrong, please. But yeah, uh, call it ducks by 10 beavers in a close
1: one. Now, moving to the Pac-12 at large, um, Leah, this was hard to actually watch and follow most of the games that were going on because uh, of an issue that you brought up with me. And so I'm going to give you the floor for the rest of the time here. And uh, (laughs) I want you to just talk about uh, not just the Pac-12, but some of the issues that you're seeing around uh, the TV schedule.
2: Yeah. um, What came to my attention over the whole weekend was that Um, the games on Friday were at six, seven, and seven, which makes it very difficult to watch all three games at a time. They could easily have been at, uh, you know, four, six, and eight. And the reason I know that it can easily be done is that they, the PAC 12 does that for the men's schedule. And they do that all the time. They did that on Thursday and Saturday. And then you think to yourself, okay, but they're not going to do that twice in a weekend on Sunday, the games were at, I think 11, 12, and 12. No, you know, no men's games are playing. Nothing else on TV, and what it says to people is, well, no one's watching these, or like no one cares. Like you're, you're actually making it so that people can't. without self-fulfilling. Effort. It's a (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy because unless you have a TV, a laptop, and an iPad at the same time, it makes it very difficult. Instead, you can like say like, hey, why don't we make it really easy for you to just be a couch potato all day and sit on your couch and watch all three games. And then they followed it up by yesterday on Monday with the marquee game, UConn at Oregon at two o'clock. Oregon State was playing Colorado. You know, it's a Monday, it's MLK day. You know, you can have it at any time of the day. They picked 2 p.m. And it just felt like a double bird to the women's basketball fans out there. And I'm gonna hit you up, George Klievkoff, because you've said that women's basketball matters to the Pac-12. It sure should because last time I checked, we are the defending national champions at Stanford and they're part of the Pac-12. If you want to prioritize eyeballs and increase the footprint of the breadth of reach of women's basketball, you need to make it easy for fans across the conference, across the country to watch every single game at this, you know, for throughout the day. And so you, the easy thing to do is to stagger the tip-off times. I know it's possible because it happens in the men's team. So um it's really frustrating as a fan. It's really frustrating and as a fan of women's basketball when you know that it's possible. And going back to what Sedona Prince offered up last year in the NCAA tournament that we are still fighting the title IX battle of appropriate equipment between men and women. And now we're looking at appropriate tip-off times and trying to increase the visibility for women's basketball. So, um, yeah, the onus is on the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 network, and that needs to trickle down from our commissioner.
1: Excellent. Um, Now, you are one of those people that was following all of the games.
0: Yes, uh, and
1: and we've kind of recapped the Arizona schools, yeah, uh, with against um, against the Oregon schools, the
2: Arizona school because where oh, in the Arizona world? Arizona State's not playing. Where Whatever. in the world is, are the Arizona State Sun Devils? They are finally playing a basketball game this weekend. Go hey. so what are you looking
1: um, forward to this weekend?
2: Well, I think. Unfortunately for Cal, they have to play Stanford twice this weekend. Um, cool. And I, I that know- was a
1: great game, by the way, the errors, the, the Stanford, Colorado game,
2: both of the games Stanford played this weekend. I think one of the things you have to consider what, I mean, what makes the Pac-12 so great is that a team like Stanford is going to see everybody's the very best game. And right. that is only going to help them come tournament time. Oh, they look What we, so what good we saw is Colorado yep. scared the heck out of Stanford. And yes. you know what? Two days later, Utah did the, Same thing. So, um, credit to Stanford for having the stamina and the mental fortitude to fight back. But all that said, um, Arizona state's playing their first game this weekend. Um, USC and UCLA, I think play each other twice this weekend. Um, and then kind of, we already previewed a little bit that, um, the Oregon's and the Washington's are facing each other. And I believe, I think Colorado and Utah are heading to the desert. So, um, a lot of really good games to watch this weekend.
1: Awesome, and we'll be back uh, next week to talk about you know what happens as the Oregon schools travel up to Washington uh, and everything else around the Pac-12. So for Trevor Mueller, UW, and Evie Mason, go dogs!
0: Go dogs! Go dogs!